0: Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is assistant cameraman Alex Rawson. We've known Alex for years. He's a great friend of ours and he's been a you know pretty integral part of our network for a long time now. He loves to keep himself busy. Uh he's picked up some tour managing work on the side, as well as starting his own kit rental service. And up until very recently he is actually also driving Amazon deliveries. I hope you enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with AC Alex Rawson. Alex Rawson, thank you for joining us no um, on Family and Friends, mate. How how are you doing? Good yeah, to see good. You.
1: Good, yeah, good to see you as well, mate. What's been happening, mate? What
0: have you been yeah. up to today?
1: uh today just come down to see you really um yeah. did a bit of kit prep for a job got tomorrow um but other than that yeah just a, just a relatively chilled one today
0: funny mate you usually cram all your time with some sort of strange activity trying to make money or
1: yeah uh, one what? scheme or another yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of awesome schemes going on out yeah.
0: there yeah uh, nice one mate yeah. we're actually the first ac we've had on the podcast cool it's been mostly like sort of directors and uh yeah that's I'm directors and photographers really nice you know art designers and but yeah no thanks for coming down mate um so here on family and friends we talk about our inroads into the creative industry mm-hmm. um so why don't we take it all the way back um you know where did you go to school where are you from like has this always been your sort of vibe did you have another plan when you were growing up were you going to be an estate agent or <laughs> how's like, estate
1: agent is almost the right right vibe i really? wanted to be an architect oh okay nice year. I did my work experience doing architecture. I did like engineering, physics, chemistry, maths A levels. Mm, like, did alright in them. Um, went to Loughborough uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh got some pals at Loughborough. How old are you? Yeah, 28.
0: Oh, you might know some of them. Actually. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I went to went to Loughborough and uh found my love of recreational substances. <laughs> <laughs> Can we last to talk about that. <laughs> talk about where you are. yeah, basically that was like Year one of uni, I just flunked it. Um, oh really? I just what, about architecture it. went out the window. Well, it was structural. Basically, I realised that I couldn't draw. It's okay. quite a key component to being <laughs> an architect. And it took so, you
0: until university to realise that. Well,
1: I had creative. I definitely had some kind of creativity in me because of music. I played music for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, I can just sort of teach myself. And then I did. I did work experience at an architect's office. Mm. Um, probably the wrong architect's office. I and mean, he's great. He's a really nice guy. I learnt a lot um but he was very much like did housing estates and things like that there's no creativity in those no compared to like what i wanted to do yeah yeah yeah. um it was very much sort of put you off a bit yeah it was very much like you've got five house designs and there's 500 houses and you just sort of put them in there's no like it's more like town planning than being Mm. an architect and it didn't like ruin it for me i really enjoyed it and learned a lot about being in the workplace and all that like you do from work experience um
0: such a mixed bag work experience yeah like some people really yeah. enjoy it like mine was pretty good i had mine at sky sports when i was a kid ah, mega um i was uh, basically running with the nfl department sort of doing tape comps and all this kind of shit nice but that's that was awesome. quite fun um but i mean some of the horror stories i heard from people's work experience is you just being abandoned on a desk basically from yeah. nine thirty until four thirty, five o'clock
1: but look at joe my brother's joe yeah, he did my work. He did his work experience with me. Yeah, perfect. He's now full time employed by me. So. Mate, awesome. Yeah, he wasn't going to do anything else with his life. <laughs> <laughs> he was waiting for me to pick up the slap for him. Um, <laughs> no, nah, Joe's a good kid. So after that, <laughs> I sort of I went to uni and my first year, I, I looked at architectural engineering, which is like a crossover between civil, structural, and architecture. Mm-hmm. So you're like a middleman on all of it, um, because I wanted to go to Loughborough because I wanted to play carry on playing rugby. Yeah. And then I I had a I had a bone break just before I went to uni and just didn't really get back at my fib and my tip, so I didn't really get back into it. Oh, um, and because I didn't get back into it, I just sort of I totally fell out of you just the lost thing and like totally lost interest and started hanging out with people that weren't sporty people. They were more like music based and creative based, and yeah, and. That brought me into like wanting to be maybe do something more creative. So anyway, my parents were very strict on me going to university. Yeah. So I dropped out of Loughborough and then I went to Coventry and I thought I'm going to give it another shot, but I'm going to do a pure engineering degree and I went for structural engineering. Okay. Oh my god, the most boring thing <laughs> in, in the world. Like I was all right at maths at school and I could I could like do maths and stuff and yeah. physics and I I could understand the concepts of it, but I didn't massively enjoy it. I just I sort of thought structural man like you it's good money mm. but I'd just be sat in an office all day and I, I did I did two months and they asked me to leave but you did during two that, months at the uni yeah but during they that time
0: asked you to leave what were you doing why did they ask you to leave
1: oh because I just wasn't turning up oh okay yeah I basically I was just like a burden they were chasing me I wasn't doing coursework I wasn't yeah, yeah. I just didn't conform well to education mm. even though I'd like done alright at school um much to my parents dismay <laughs> <laughs> massively to their dismay um
0: you managed to smooth it over eventually Did yeah kind of come around to the idea what was your what was your plan after leaving so the second time around
1: before I, I left the second time around i met a guy up there who was a nightclub photographer and he i was like already into photography a little bit because my granddad is a, ph- a photographer so my whole route started as a photographer mm. i met him and he worked at this nightclub in coventry called the collie or casbah they also do gigs there and Part of being able to, part of being paid to shoot the nightclub photography there, meant that they would also get you free press passes to the gigs. Nice. My first ever gig I shot was Feeder. If anyone really? remembers Feeder? Fuck it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a uh, that was pretty cool. You used to get um, them on like the
0: NME Music
1: Channel. And yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just a day and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and anyway, I shot that gig. Uh, the photos are dog shit, <laughs> and I never wanted to see the light of day. What did you shoot it on? Oh man, it would have been like an old D sixty or something that was like a few hundred quid camera. It's yeah. like cheapest chips, like entry level SLR. <laughs> but mate, the buzz that I got off it was like the most fun i ever in had. the photo
0: pit at a gig. Yeah, it's a mad environment, man. Yeah, like for for people who haven't been in that sort of space, yeah, it is nuts. If you're if you're filming someone with the big energy, like I remember me and he did was it gentleman's dub club or something?
1: GDC we've done. And did you do the? uh Oh, it was like the Submo Orchestra live at the Royal... I didn't get to do that. Concert. I've seen oh, the edit. man, that was... Yeah, that looked amazing. Yeah. Mm. That was so good. That yeah. was so good. But, yeah, so you but just... then obviously Shot festivals. some of the like, artists that I've yeah. sat in front of have, has been like mad. But once you've done it, once you've met like a few people and you've been in front of these high profile people a few times, it's just like, they're just other people. Of course. And they, and they give that vibe that they're just other people. Yeah, most, yeah, yeah. Not all of them are sound, but most of them are <laughs> actually really sound and enjoy the whole... Shebang a bit. Nice, mate. Um, so you
0: smashed your first gig. Well, he said the photos were shit.
1: <laughs> they were very subpar, mate. But I learned I learnt a lot. Like, I'd never been in that environment of like, yeah, yeah. because normally the stuff that I was shooting before was just like landscapes and things like that, where you've got full control, creative, yeah, yeah, yeah. like lighting-wise and whatnot, over what you're doing.
0: It's different doing a moving target,
1: moving in target low light. Yeah, low light. You can't, like, it's just shit camera. <laughs> deafening
0: yeah it's
1: it's deafening noise and there's lights constantly flashing like trying to focus on things and stuff like that is you're very overstimulated yeah it's a a rabbit in the headlights (laughs) 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 but i got like a couple of photos that i was like oh these are really cool yeah Uh, and then the guy who was who had sort of given me this opportunity showed me his and i was like i've got a lot to learn yeah (laughs) it's really good yeah that pushed Um, you on a bit though Massively, yeah, and it was at that point I decided I wanted to be a music photographer. Nice, mate. Little did I know there was no money in the music industry, <laughs> and I chased it for quite a few years. But um, I was given a great opportunity. This is, goes on to like uh, my opportunity, one of my like my first good opportunities. Okay. Was my dad ran the security um, at Majorca Rocks out in Mallorca. and like the, the caliber of artists they had there was like Ed Sheeran, Paolo Nutini, uh, Mark it's Ronson, A list names. Basically, I got, an within four weeks of staying with him, I got a portfolio of those kind of artists. Shit. And, mate, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know how to shoot these things, but because the production value was so good, yeah. it was difficult to take a bad photo. Of course. And because you've got A-list artists, like, it looked good. And my dad, my dad, like, got me, he, he'd get me photo passes every now and again, but if he couldn't, he would just take me in early and I would stand at the front row of these gigs mm. on the barrier for the whole gig shooting photos. Yeah, like this little kid like well i'm not little but this kid almost like with a my dad bought me my first proper camera as well yeah um big ups to my dad he's like being a big <laughs> massive good. support of me and has definitely put up with his fair fair amount of shit from me over the years yeah, you know, yeah. supporting me financially and like bailing me out when i don't know my ass from my elbow and all of that so <laughs> yeah man i wouldn't i wouldn't be i wouldn't be anywhere without my old man.
0: That's nice, man. So, yeah. so you're marketing yourself as a sort of uh, freelance photographer. How yeah. did you use those photos that you took in, where was it, sorry? Mallorca. Mallorca. Yeah, yeah. How did you use those? Uh, what was your process in terms of using those to kind of get you some more work? Um, so- is it, is it a case of building a website? Is it a case of reaching out to agencies? What did you do?
1: It was basically I built a website and I was like, right, I've got a website now, the work will just come in. It doesn't. <laughs> so then I started like, then I went back to Coventry and- um, and I got offered the in-house job or one part of the in-house job at the O2 Academy in Birmingham. Okay, nice. Which is again, like not AA listers, but it's like pretty top it's pretty tier good, artists yeah. coming through because it's like a three and a half thousand cap venue. Mm. And it was it was an unpaid job, but it was like one night a week, two nights a week, I'd go up to Birmingham and shoot. I'd get to pick who I wanted to shoot. There'd be like, there's four of us that did it. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. It was like Andy something. Uh, who gave me the job I basically just sent him my photos and I was like could I have a job mm. and he was like dude your portfolio is wicked you got loads of like you don't need work from us I was like mate I'm I'm just lucky that like, I'm like a month in and I've yeah, had this good so. opportunity um, and I was still shooting like nightclub photos as well um, I'd like branched out into a few more nightclubs at this point so then my whole career started off shooting nightclub photos which is not glamorous it is it's do you know what? It's, it's a a funny not one bad isn't money. not It's not bad money. It's yeah. a very
0: sort of solitary pursuit. Uh, I've I always found, I've done lots of club photography, lots Mate. of cl- uh, club videos as well. And yeah. it's, I, I struggle to sort of be in that environment yeah. without... you got to be
1: patient.
0: you got to be very patient. And also you, you kind of feel that like you're the only sober one in like a warehouse at 3am waiting for the, like the second to last DJ to come on.
1: Mm-hmm. It is
0: it's a funny old existence I don't yeah. know or or the alternative is you just get like completely stuck in and party with everyone Everyone, yeah, yeah. Which you can't do
1: that like three or four I was doing it like three or four nights a week and when you're like 21 yeah baby yeah, which I was at that age yeah, yeah, and I was exactly. like definitely having my f- dabble in getting messed up and but doing it catches the job, up. But, and then I lost a, a nightclub job from doing that oh and really I was like that was like my first lesson of like
0: trying to stay professional
1: yeah yeah, yeah. But, but within, within reason it was just yeah I was just a being, being a drunken twat and oh, no. not doing my job, and I didn't deliver properly. And they were like, "Well, we saw that you were hammered, so that's on oh, you, mate." we we'll move you someone else. Well, yeah. it happens, um, and I learned yeah. a lesson from that. Um, like, but you could always party after the job, and I should have just done that. Mm. So, I spent yeah. So
0: you spent a little while doing some uh, some club photography stuff like yeah. that. When did you start moving into like more commercial stuff? What was what was the direction then?
1: So then I moved over to the O2 in-house yeah yeah, and then my whole what I'd do is because I couldn't contact any of the big artists I'd shoot the support acts and I'd send them my photos
0: ah oh, so they use them on their social so they would use them and, yeah. and then they
1: would ask me to shoot their gigs yeah and then they would start asking me to shoot their um like their press photos and mm-hmm. stuff so that's how I started doing music press photography um and then it was like oh do you do video as well and I was like not really but my camera's got a mode on it yeah um so I just started shooting like these very questionable music <laughs> videos. But I was learning, I was learning. It was, it was fine. It was a learning process. Like it was when DSLRs were like a big thing, like the 5D was like a massive thing. I was on Nikon and I always have been. Mm-hmm. Just prefer the Nikon look and yeah, just yeah. what I'm used to. Um, and it's what I was showing when I was younger. Um, So I started shooting these like little music videos and stuff. And then... People like yourselves, like family and other little production agencies like Deadbeat and stuff, they started picking up that I could do this stuff. Yeah. Um, so you guys would get me on to do like festivals and mm-hmm. things like that. I think I only did like Outlook and stuff for Family, but I did quite a lot for Deadbeat. Yeah. Um, that was years ago though. That was like f- f- five or six years ago. I think two thousand. Did we ever do... I did Outlook and did Dimensions you... with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you there as a place. videographer? Yeah. 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 I yeah. Did video that was like a long so time I did, ago. I did
0: 2013 with family as well, back when I was sort of freelancing with them yeah. at Outlook.
1: I think I did the year after. Oh, okay. Both of them back to back. That was like a crazy two weeks, man. I was oh, gimbal man. operating as well. No,
0: I, just, I don't know how people can can handle yeah. doing Outlook and then Dimensions.
1: With, with, with the in family a tent. creative boys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were there for 14 days and on, I think there was 14 nights sleep between three people by the end of it. <sighs> yeah. And it was like a... It was, it was basically 6pm till 6am, the shifts, because that's when the music started and that's when it finished. Mm-hmm. We, we'd be shooting from like midday, so it was like six hours of sleep at night. <laughs> oh,
0: mate.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was good though. man. I, I learnt loads. Um, I drove to Croatia and back uh, for, for the boys. That was, a, <laughs> that was a hell of a drive. How long was the drive? Um, oh, it's two days. It's mm-hmm. like ten hours. A day one, we went to Munich. I think twelve. Not hours even hours, just days. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> crosses mad. over into days at that point. <laughs> um, how did it go from there? And i was just trying to think how it went from there. I still always had that like music photography thing, like as a side burner, and mm-hmm. i was still doing little stuff for smaller bands. I just, ne- I never really broke the. I never really broke the like the big the big time on the music photography stuff like no. i still shoot nasa boardmasters every year um and i was touring with a i was touring with um dimension for a couple of years big db artist uh that was like a sick job to have we traveled all around europe doing that yeah um but then i started doing the video stuff and the money was just better the money was better and it was like it was a bit more interesting and yeah, there was a crew yeah. man and i love I love working with other people who are like-minded. Collaborating. Whereas stills photographer, quite often you have maybe mm, got a bit one of assistant. A lone ranger.
0: You are a bit. Yeah. It's not as fun.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not as fun. No. Um,
0: and so then you started moving into video. When did, when did you first start? Kind of you know, moving into actually wanting to do video full time. I mean, yeah. Well, I had right.
1: a kid in the middle of this. Yeah. I had a kid <laughs> in the middle of this uh, Oscar my lad. Yeah. Who's six now? Um, he definitely changed things for a little bit. So this, so in between meeting you guys properly, yeah, I had Oscar, mm-hmm. um, and we, I moved to Bristol, and I just did a studio job for like a year and a half. It was the, probably the most soul soul destroying job I've ever done. What
0: kind of stuff were you doing?
1: It was like makeover photography for Groupon. <laughs> makeover This business model that they had was the biggest scam. <laughs> What is it? Can I, can I shame these people, man? Because they still owe me a load of money, actually. They won't bust. There you businesses. go for it. called All Your Life. Okay. Basically, they ruined my life. <laughs> Two years <laughs> of my life. Um, they had this business model where they would sell 20 quid Groupon vouchers. And they'd get these, like, they'd get... It was mainly, mainly girls coming through, mums and daughters, best friends, like that kind of thing. And they'd come through... They'd have like some kind of like treatment, like a pedi or whatever, and then a makeover, and then they'd come and have an hour's photo shoot with me. <laughs> no. Can you imagine that, mate? I had to wear a shirt every day, man. Yes. And I'd gone through these like cheesy-ass poses. That's but, mate, it paid brilliant. all right money. And I had a kid, and I was like, this is what I've got to do. Because I've got a kid. I keep the hustle um, on. And their business model was that they'd try and flog them these, like, photos at the end for ridiculous money and some of them bought it and the guy was obviously making a good business off because he had three of them yeah and then the one that i was in was a franchise and it went bust when they owed me like they probably owed me like three weeks pay or something fuck yeah and i think they just was like they owed me like a couple of grand and they were like there's 500 quid okay i've just had a kid
0: so that was your out they just went bust it wasn't the case of you trying to phase out or make that leap of faith in in terms of like being an independent yeah. Um, freelancer Sorry. yeah
1: it was like that and then I just had a string of like of minimum wage jobs I was mm-hmm. like I've got to be a dad I can't do this creative dream that I've always that I've had for the last few years yeah I've got to like be there for my kid and his mum and what um, Did and then I was like nah nah you know what fuck that I can make a thing out of it yeah um, I was like double working I didn't get to spend much time with um, the lad growing up which isn't it is isn't it isn't a regret but it's definitely it definitely made me grow up very quickly. Yeah. And like start understanding business and finances and things like that. Um I think if
0: if you look at the position you're in now and your relationship with Oscar, are you glad that you sort of Absolutely Yeah, you, yeah. you steered in that direction. Like yeah. it is yeah, it's it's not ideal, but it was a necessary kind of thing that you yeah. had to do.
1: And and now and now that financially I do much better for myself, yeah. it means that I can have much better quality of time with him. Course, Whereas course, if I stuck so. that minimum wage stuff, I would have been unhappy. Yeah. I'd have, I don't.
0: You can't afford to do all the things. There'd have been like, like this background do. resentment. Of,
1: yeah. Of not of him, but of the situation. And mm. I'd have never wanted that because, like, at the end of the day, he's, he's my most important thing before work. And he, your kids and your family should always be. Yeah. Um, and your friends should come first because yeah. that's something that I regretted growing up or growing up in this industry. Like, between 20 and 25 is I didn't see my mates that much. I just worked. You're just working all the time. Yeah, working to yeah. buy kit and also to afford me the opportunities because um, mm-hmm. my parents weren't particularly well off. So I yeah. didn't have, I couldn't go and do free shoot days. Like I would have to work a nine to five mm. or at least three or four days a week to be in, to be able to do like lower budget jobs and jobs that weren't paying to build that portfolio. Yeah. Um, so with the music video thing, I started like doing these little music videos, put a few pictures out, got some bigger clients. Um, and then I got asked by somebody if I'd ever camera assisted before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Now nah, what's that? Yeah, And they were like, oh, it's well, I, I need a focus puller. This guy, Steve Nelson, who's, who's a legend. Yeah, um, He worked on the, he ran the Ari camera floor for eight years in his early twenties. Like wow. he serviced cameras for like Skyfall, like Casino Royale, like all these big, uh, big, big features, he like went out into like the desert and worked on awesome. their cameras and stuff. So his knowledge is just like his knowledge is mad. How did it's you know? This guy? He knows through a through a little business in Northamptonshire. Um, they are like a social enterprise business that they they try and give people opportunities in film. Mm. Um, and they were shooting this thing, and they knew that I was local because I've been doing some like little low end video workshops to them with some of the kids mm-hmm. um, from. From like the local schools, just like showing them, like what I, I had, like an FS700 at the time. Yeah, yeah. If everyone remembers the FS700, 7Q set up. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. bad boy 4K. I thought it was like the <laughs> thing. I had this website that said, Are you 4K ready? We are. <laughs> <laughs> so cringe, man, right, looking back at it. brilliant. Yeah. And now we've got like 8K Reds and 12K Black Magics, which is just ridiculous because I'm pretty sure there's still only 4K TVs out there. Isn't <laughs> <they>? <laughs> um, Resolution is a load of crap anyway. Is it? Yeah, uh, kind of, yeah. So, this is how you first start getting into so AC this, and then? Yeah, so I got this job. I'd never pulled focus, I'd never loaded or anything like that. And the guy was like, It's a five minute steady cam shot. Uh, there's like 12 members of talent. Um, and there, it's like a musical down the street. The steady cam tracks down the street. And at the end of it, it goes up onto a crane and then pushes into this window. I was like yeah I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> like, always been a black and I never I told him I'd never pulled focus before apparently I did an alright job okay I think it was from all these like little music videos that I've been doing I've been pulling my own focus yeah, yeah and I thought it was like the thing to shoot
0: like well you just get this kind of
1: shoot natural... wide open all the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly that, yeah, I was, like, that's like 2.8 1.8 do you remember the scene? Sam The those oh, Sam cine lenses they were like T1.3 which yeah. is like F1.2 <laughs> ridiculously shallow and i'd like learned to pull my own focus on that so i was like yeah whole hand unit and like a massive screen yeah it's easy i had a sun and everything i was like this is the dream (laughs) um and that was my first big job where i like where the first time i saw like the panavision logo on a flight case and like the first time i saw steadicam and all of this stuff and like my brain that day was just like whoa Mm. i want to do this yeah um and i kept in kept in contact with steve um, and this this agency, uh, Screen Your Pants, and they they gave me my first feature um, as a focus puller, which was a massive opportunity. Yeah, nice. Because I'd never done anything. The stuff that I'd done before, I was basically just pulling focus for family's DP, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot through Andy. Me and Andy learned at the same time. Like, yeah, as nice. he was learning to become a DP, I was learning to become... Focus I think it's quite important to sort
0: of surround yourself with people who are also coming up as well. Yeah. If you're trying to do something new, you're not necessarily doing it day in, day out, and getting yeah. paid for it. Yeah. It's crucial, man.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And Andy was Andy was definitely like a crucial part of my um my development as a camera assistant. Um he pushed me to know things and learn things and constantly ask questions like that he he didn't know the answer to he just wanted to know so I would go and research them and learn about them man I spent hours just like (laughs) like just learning stuff myself online listening to podcasts yeah like 3 4 a.m on YouTube watching yeah how to (laughs) how to load film into a camera and stuff like that um yeah and then I did this feature film and that was a hell of an experience man I'd never done like, I was pulling focus five days a week, 10 hours a day wow. for six weeks.
0: Were you also doing like camera builds or anything like that? Or was it literally well, just focus?
1: On a, on a drama or on a feature, you kind of do your camera build at the beginning of the job. Yeah. Um, you might have like steady cam days, which is where the full camera will get pulled apart and I'll put it on. Or if the production's got money, they'll just hire another camera for it Yeah, um, to leave the handheld camera built. Um, do you
0: prefer working on
1: sort of features? Nah, I much prefer commercials. Because I had a bit of a bad experience it, on that film because oh really? it was l- super low budget. Yeah, um, it kind of it slightly ruined narrative a bit for me. But I'm getting back into it more now. Yeah, um, through Steve actually, he's put me on a few short films, and it's just what is what it taught me is was like you need to like don't in a way be a yes man. Yeah. At the start, learn lots, mm-hmm. but don't push yourself too far because that's what I was doing I was overworking pushing myself too far and then not enjoying it because of yeah, it, and then yeah. tainting the experience that I had on this feature yeah the production company were friends so they they asked a lot of me like they were asking me to like drive the van and stuff for the camera van and which meant getting in an hour earlier because I had costume and art on this same van oh right and stuff like that um so, this is
0: it if your heart as soon as you start sort of resenting things and and you feel like you're being taken advantage of or you're unhappy, a film set is the worst place to be in that frame of mind because you're all there. It's supposed to be a creative space. Yeah. If you're pissed off, it's so easy to pick up on it. Like, yeah, you, yeah. no matter how you try and hide it. spreads. It, everyone always knows it spreads. Spreads like
1: coronavirus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a tricky one, man. And it's, it's so crucial to sort of, mm. you know, keep people sweet on set. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you had, had any real, like, shocker jobs? You don't have to mention any names, but where well, you feel that it's just been an absolute car crash. Oh, man, yeah. In terms like, of looking after crew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think everybody who's been doing it Sort of, I've, not been, I've been in the industry, what, 10 years now? Mm. If you've been in the industry a couple of years, you've had the shocker jobs. Like, yeah. And you learn from them. And what I'll say about those shocker jobs is, don't do them again. No. But every negative thing that you took from that job, take it on board. Try and remember it. Remember it, learn why it was, and then when you see it start coming on another production, yeah. be the guy who's like, that's not all right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when the overtime clock starts ticking, be like... What's the situation here? Because if you're on a if you're on a an APA commercial you have to legally pay overtime. Or if it's on a friend's job, like at least make sure you're getting sorted dinner. And if you've got assistants working underneath you, they your they your boys and girls, like look after them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're your people. Yeah. Um like look after them and make sure that they're happy. Um that's what I say about like bad jobs, like just the, the big feature that I was on, it was um, everybody was under a lot of pressure yeah. so that everybody was like short and tired and we were just a bit overworked, a bit overstretched, not particularly well fed. Mm. That is the one thing I'll say about film crews. <laughs> I like my food, man. Feed your crew. And your crew, your crew will just do that touch more for you if you feed them good food. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. Here's a way to a crew's heart. Don't and then like t- a rap beer place. like really goes a yeah. long way on a job or just like a rap like pizza at the end of the day it's like yeah just something something
0: like a thank you and just to sort of like bring everyone together a little bit instead you know because if you don't have that sometimes it's just a bit of a starburst it's fine if you're a regular crew that works together quite a lot Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't mind as much because you're going to see that person again in a couple weeks like me and you yeah but like if if you're doing like a larger production it's those little touches that just make it a fun day yeah people don't mind working really hard if they're kind of having fun as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, definitely. it's a it's a crucial piece, man. Um, yeah. But, do you, so in terms of being an AC, are you... Is this what you, is this where your career is going to be now, do you reckon? Are you going to sort of stick to this kind of little niche within within the production? Do you have any other ambitions to, to try anything else? Or are you happy to just kind of work your way up yeah, bigger um, and bigger jobs?
1: I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, I, I always was like, oh, I want to be a DP, like... I've always been like, I want to be like Roger Deakins. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Every camera assistant in the, D- <laughs> in the UK wants to be Roger Deakins. Um, he is the god man. Yeah. God, the god, of the camera, Deakins, man. Deakins, <laughs> um, But I kind of, of realised that a lot of there's a lot of people in this industry. This will go onto one of my like lessons for new people coming through. Do not overegg yourself. Do not overpromise skills that you don't have because you will get found out. Winging
0: it is okay sometimes yeah if, well, when if it, it
1: comes to technical shit oh no 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 no, no. and when it comes to yeah. high budget stuff no. and there's like you do not know the wrath of a producer until yeah. you have um...
0: no you can't you can't say you can do something and then and then okay. not because
1: um, you will get found out
0: on a on a bigger scale thing like if it's taking the piss a little bit with you know my first job was doing a videos in Shoreditch for like techno uh, parties in car parks yeah yeah like they asked me if I'd done any before I lied to them I said yes and I sent them a video a music video that I did help shoot but it was directed by someone else like it was edited by someone else
1: if you've if you if you've never done that <laughs> you don't work in this industry well that's it <laughs> like, loads of people have done that like, I've done that
0: to talk your way into a smaller opportunity like that where the guys are going to pay you 150 quid yeah. what's the worst that's going to happen you're yeah, going to yeah. fuck the video maybe you know, but usually you will deliver, I delivered, like I think most people in that position will, you know, if you've got the balls to go in there and actually talk to someone and and talk yourself up a bit and say you're going to deliver something, chances are, that's the harder bit.
1: That is the hardest bit. The easy easy bit is is just filming a party. Like, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, Um, no, I totally agree with that, mate. mm. Yeah, definitely agree with that. But I think with like, what I want to do is I'm just going to, now that I'm like ACing for several people now I've probably got like 10 people that I'm regularly working for I'm not their first choice but mm. I'm like getting picked like I'm their like second choice yeah, or their yeah. third choice for when there's there seems to be more DPs or more jobs with with DPs I will put DPs in quotes because that's <sighs> something else that I'm going to say there's too many people calling themselves a, a cinematographer or a director of photography when they're, they're not yeah, basically they, they yeah. don't know enough to yeah.
0: really call themselves
1: that yeah and it's 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 fine doing it but it's like sometimes they're like they're they're claiming to be something that they're not and then they surround themselves by really good crew yeah who make them look even better than they are i mean is that if that's part of the trickery of being a dp then fair enough i mean i know having a good gap (laughs) is like a really key thing and and um and whatnot but yeah there's quite a few people out there that are just like it's like just step it back down and like come be a come and be a camera assistant and learn from other people that's why I love being a camera assistant because I just love learning stuff it's like my favourite thing that gets me going is learning something new or something interesting or Yeah, like, that. Yeah. Uh, like this, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast seeing like how this is done <laughs> like, it's obviously your way of doing it I've watched the Joe Rogan experience and seen yeah, that yeah. kind of vibe but like this is interesting to me I'm like keep looking over at the screen like looking what you've got <laughs> <laughs> to work out what the crack is on it but that's why I love camera assisting because learning from other people Banging. so yeah, and every time I work for a new DP, it's like I learn a whole new different set of things. Yeah, start looking it's like looking at a fresh deck of cards. Yeah. And sometimes I get trainees in on jobs that have been doing this like five, six years less than me and they teach me something. <laughs> and I'm like, that's sick, I like that. And I'll tell them, like I'll appreciate them for it. I'll be like, that was a really cool thing that you taught me. I didn't know that.
0: So Alex, you've always got your head like pretty well screwed on on set. Um, you're a very safe pair of hands with a yeah. camera. yeah. When has things really gone tits up and uh, you've had squeaky bum time and you think the world's going to end? What's, so, your, what's your biggest mm, clanger?
1: <laughs> I've got a couple of pretty good ones. Uh, I've probably got, I've probably got the best girlfriend in the world because she is fiancé now. Yeah, the yeah. The congratulations time, by the way, man. Cheers, bro, awesome. The amount of times she has had to drive me kit. <laughs> been bit at home. No, it's been, there's been a few instances where I've got to a job and I'm like, got no memory cards. Got no batteries.
0: Yeah, I've done that before. Showed up with no A7s batteries.
1: Bloody A7s batteries. That's (laughs) what it was, man. Or turning up thinking that they charged them, car. you get cubes of doom. Oh, yeah, cubes of doom. Yeah, <laughs> cubes of dog shit. They were. And obviously, I didn't buy official Sony ones. I bought the really cheap Amazon ones. Oh mate. and they were even worse, man.
0: I've got after after you do your clanger, I'll tell you about a clanger story because I haven't really told a clanger story on yeah. here yet. So <laughs> I feel I'll, as the
1: host, you've got to drop one. I'll, in. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pop one in. Uh, but what's yours? So I think one of the, one of the. This is a funny clanger. I mean, it was pretty bad, but. I took it on the chin, and yeah. I didn't lose the job for it. Fortunately, so I was talking earlier about touring with Dimension. Me and me and Rob, Dimension. I haven't spoken to him for a few years actually. He started. We got too busy, and they they like didn't want to pay the rate that I was after because I was getting more assistant work, which is better money. Uh, Seb and Rob, um, Seb Weingart offers his manager. Those guys are fucking legends, man. Yeah. Uh, learned learned a lot about the live industry from them and uh, through touring as well, because I also do tour managing. Um, which yeah, another side hustle But <laughs> so I'd been I'd been with Seb and Rob for about 18 months and Glastonbury came up and Rob Dimension was like I'm gonna let's get an RV for the weekend boys we'll take some of my mates down from home and whatnot. Rawson come with us like we'll get you a ticket can't pay you for the job but it's Glastonbury yeah. I was like five day ticket Glastonbury Wait, let's go three? absolutely let's let's definitely go <laughs> somehow the cheeky fucks conned me into picking the RV up because oh, right. the RV was in Luton and I live up in Northampton and I was driving past Luton and I was like, I'll pick it up but it meant I had to provide ID and driving licence and all this stuff. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, it was Glastonbury, it was going to be a weekend of just getting like, uh, <laughs> fucking my brain up. <laughs> my brain was not going to work by the end of it so I was like, organised Rawson, AC Rawson, will put his passport and all of the important documents for the RV in this little envelope in the glove box. Yeah. Little did I know this was the start of the downfall. So I went and had Glastonbury. a sick weekend. Got some good photos of Rob. Uh, and then I think I bumped into all the family crew there as well. And like, no, I just had a, a sick weekend, man. Watching Fifth, uh, Biffy and Foles and not Foles, Foo Fighters, Stormzy and all those guys. Man. That, was, that was a good weekend. Um, and then on drive home, I dropped the guys off in South London where they were based. And then I drove home and I dropped the RV off back at the place in Luton and I cleared all the stuff out of it. The guys were been really good cleaned up all the rubbish, like there was nothing bad. And I took this envelope out envelope out, and um, put it with my stuff. And then when I got home, obviously my brain was just like mashed from a weekend of, yeah. of Glastonbury. Um, put that envelope in the bin. Oh. <laughs> About a week <laughs> later, Rob was like, we're still going to Ibiza? Just so <laughs> to Tasha and shoot there for like two nights. It was like three clubs out there we were shooting at. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, um, and his management was like, oh, can you just send over your passport details again? It's tour management, and I was mm. like, where's wasn't passport. I haven't seen it in a couple of weeks. I haven't seen that for a few weeks, yeah. Uh, and then I remembered. <laughs> Did you
0: immediately remember the envelope going into the bin? Yeah, yeah. This uh, was like
1: two weeks or a week ago. Yeah, as but well, it, it, re- it literally had, flashes back in your mind. It had gone. The bin yeah. men had taken it. <laughs> it, was in, it was in a recycling plant. Somewhere. Bin men are going to for mate. You're mate, just gonna like stick they they a fake beard on. So I rang Rob and I said to him, "You can sack me if you want, but <laughs> I <fucking laughs> throwing my passport in the bin." Oh, and he fortunately, he fortunately saw the hilarious side of it and yeah. was like, "Just don't worry about it, mate." But we're going to, we were going to let it roll in maybe Croatia the mm-hmm. week after, and I managed to get one sorted out for that. But I did miss out, and that was pretty. I was worried I was going to lose that job because yeah. man, that was a sick job. Yeah, of course. Slamming festivals, like sick gigs and stuff, and just hanging with Rob. Like, there's a, he's such a genuine, just like normal guy. But he's like a massive drum and bass artist. Like, so he's,
0: what's his drum and bass uh, artist name? Dimension. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah if know.
1: you're into D and B, you know Dimension is.
0: Well, I'm kind of into D and B, but I don't know if I don't. I know Dimension. Well, is it what labels is he signed to? Uh,
1: I think it's worship artist. So he's with like he's like best mates with Sub Focus. Oh, okay. Um, Culture Shark, all those guys. Um, so is that mainstream Will sort of concern. jump up vibe. No, no, it's definitely back, you know, like commercial like D&B, but He does some dark, like techno-infused DMB. You'd like his really dark stuff. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah.
0: Is he still? Yeah. He's still doing bits.
1: Yeah, he still does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. Yeah, it was over, mate. Yeah. 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 Have a um, He's a good guy to work for, man. I well enjoyed. Yeah. That's
0: not too much of a bad clanger, mate.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it, pretty good. But yeah, it's a bit of a
0: shitter. Obviously, I've touched wood I've never had. Uh, I've never lost a passport. I've never, you know, forgotten to take anything to the airport. I've never missed a flight. No,
1: oh, mate, I've done all of this shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I have I such bad. I with my kid. Really? I basically, oh, at, uh, mate. Gatwick Airport. Gatwick Airport is the shittest airport in the planet. <laughs> I fucking hate that place. I queued in the wrong queue because you came around this corner. The queues <laughs> went around the corner. Yeah. And the screens were like here. And I was stood like, the screens were like, behind me yeah. for which one was which and they didn't have where the flight was going until you got to the desk oh, and you queued down this corridor and then as you turn to get on to Yeah, yeah. So I got yeah. to the end and I was like I was like looking at my phone, I was like, my <laughs> flight leaves in about ten minutes. <laughs> oh, Why is this queued? There's no delay sound or anything. <sighs> and Gatwick don't call out passengers All over right. the tunnels. They just don't do it. All right. For some reason, got to the end, and I was like, "Well, I'm definitely to be fair not going bit, to but like the people was, in
0: Gatwick are an absolute mess. Like if you go go through there at like half eight in the morning, it's when all the cheap flights are. Yeah, all man. the lads are in the pub. Lads are going to allocate. If, uh, yeah. if they were actually doing name calls, the list the list would be endless. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be listened to. So yeah, and uh, that was a that was a bad personal clang missing that flight. Yeah but oscar's a legend so he was well behaved and my grandparents live around the corner from Gatwick, so yeah, i stayed yeah. there overnight got the next flight only cost 400 quid to go to fucking mallorca yeah it just be like 100 quid or something
0: that is gash mate no my um i've got a little clanger story it's funny we're talking about uh those batteries so actually i had it was a 5d mark three. yeah uh one of my friends from work, I was working at Sky Sports at the time, one of my mates was like, oh, dude, we you film my wedding? Um, doesn't have to be anything fancy. We don't want anything too intrusive. So if you could just like come down, do a bit before, do the ceremony in the church, some of the reception, the speeches, we'll give you like 500 quid. I was like, fucking brilliant. Yeah, let's go. It. Ordered a load of more batteries uh, for my 5D. But when I put them in the camera to test them at home they were fully charged so I was like oh brilliant don't have to do uh don't have to juice them so uh, I f- spent the first couple of like few hours filming chopped through my first like two or three batteries um but there wasn't really anywhere to like charge my my stuff at the church so I've just kept shooting kept shooting they will be somewhere at the, mm. the at the reception fine I put I think I've got th- f- like three full new batteries he gets to the speeches, uh, and so you've got the dad is doing like a 20-minute one, you've got the groom doing one, hey, you've got the best man. One, don't they? <laughs> and I literally put my first new battery in that I haven't properly tested yet, stick it in, hit record, start recording the dad, um, and I see the bar go three, <laughs> two, <laughs> one. it out. And it dies yeah. within about 40 seconds. Oh, and I'm like, okay, well, so basically, what had happened is these new batteries, they tell you they're fully charged, but you're supposed to fully charge them for like two or three hours each when you first get them. So they, I'm literally just like a fucking Rambo, mate, just reloading these batteries that are just all dying within minutes. I get about eight minutes into the, her dad's speech, and the camera just dies. He's still going. And I'm like, the, the screen's off. And I'm kind of pretending. I'm like, right, what do I do? Do I, do I walk off? But they're like, they have specifically asked me to shoot the thing. So I literally, I slowly edged towards the back of the tent. And I sat there with my back against the, uh, <laughs> against the tent with a little top mic on. Pretending to film the speeches <laughs> my camera was completely dead. <laughs> oh my god, it was the worst. like people looking at me like, who yeah, the fuck? I literally had a 50 mil lens on and I was standing about 30 meters away from
1: this leaving, like little dots on the screen? Yeah, street. exactly.
0: And uh one of my mates, James, was like, Can you pick up the sound from there? <laughs> yeah, mate, clear as clear as day. But I literally oh, I um I think I I'd, I'd charged one for 20 minutes, got a few shots of the dancing, and then just got a cab out of there. Um, I was just, I was so embarrassed. I was like, mate, I'm sorry. But they were like, where's where the rest of the speeches? I was like, oh, the hard drive's fucked. <laughs> just came up with an excuse. I just remembered
1: it. an absolute banger of a clanger. Yeah. That <laughs> banger was like of high profile celebrity clanger. Okay. but well, I don't know how high profile he is. Uh, <laughs> Vernon Troy. Played Mini-Me in Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot a meet and greet for him for propaganda in Birmingham when I used to do club stuff and in-house at the O2 there. Yeah. Accidentally formatted the card. <sighs> Lost all of the photos. How? Why? Because I'm a fucking idiot. Well, like the next day you were <laughs> Just doing like the next else. day I was like... Well, I don't... I just think I got back from the job and I had a job straight away the next day. Yeah. So I just left that card, loaded a new one in, started shooting, probably filled that. I just remember going home and Jack, my boss there, being like, you got those photos, boss? And I was like, yeah, yeah, Sam, plug the card in. Uh, and I was like, not that card. Next one, not that card. <laughs> Next one, not that card. And I was like, yeah, I'd formatted the card and lost all of the photos. There was no way to get them back.
0: What have you been up to recently? How, how have you sort of weathered uh, all the lockdowns, the way that our industry has been affected quite drastically. Uh, you know, how's it been for you and are things starting to warm up again now?
1: Yeah, so lockdown so so obviously COVID hit, we I was on this this international job with you guys. Mm for a month which was mate that was the biggest lifesaver the income from that was a yeah, huge yeah. lifesaver
0: so that was part of the uh, Patron job that we yeah. did
1: together Patroning session, flying
0: yeah. around the world me you Neil who's uh, who's been on the podcast as well yeah. and, Dan. Um, and we're actually D-D-Dan. yeah big uh, D.O. Um,
1: man, absolute legend the nicest, the nicest German I have ever met <laughs> love that guy Um,
0: Yeah, no, he's a top guy, man. We'll have to get him on here. Definitely, man. He's He's very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable. Like, he's a bit knowledgeable on, like, weird things as well. He's a bit like Rain Man. Loves boats. Yeah, fucking
1: loves (laughs) boats. Fucking loves
0: boats.
1: (laughs) And what is it? Whiskey and cigars. Oh, my God. We we could not go anywhere in the world without dancing a cigar shop and and being like... (laughs) I'll see you guys in the minute. I'm just
0: going to buy some cigars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he
1: just disappeared. He just <laughs> come back out, stinking of smoky whiskey and cigars. <laughs> oh man, he's a good guy. I've not seen him for ages. Actually, I no, to, we need, need to see him something. again. I want to get some work with him. Um, yeah,
0: he does some cool jobs. He does do some cool shit. Uh, but yeah, we'll hopefully get him on an episode soonish, mate. But yeah, um, sure. that was a really fun job.
1: Yeah. So that know. that was that was just before. So I think that ended. Was it mid-February? We came home just before Valentine's Day. I think like yeah. 13th or something got back yeah. and then I had a few like corporate jobs but I I was supposed to be booked in there was a pencil for India with you guys on yes. some motorbike yeah, thing yeah. I think and then I was supposed to be in India, Indonesia and Australia with Perkins one of my big corporate clients wow. in May so I was supposed to literally be away for two months <laughs> and then I had a job on the 23rd 3rd of March I had a job on the day that they locked it down I went home that evening and watched them lock the country down man and it was just like that night literally everything I woke up the next day and everything had been cancelled all further shoots postponed cancelled I mean what do you
0: do as a freelancer in that situation like what
1: yeah I mean I rang my landlord and I was like they knew our situation because obviously when we took the property on we were um we were self-employed and they've since we've since moved from there Mm. um and they were just like, if you can't pay the rent, you can't pay the rent. We're not going to kick you out, but we will yeah. expect you to be back paid. Okay. Which was like, yeah, fair enough. But we managed to, um, me and me and my missus, Hannah, we went and got a job at Amazon, um, delivery driving, yeah. which, is, uh, which is the worst job I've ever done in my life. Like yeah. that company is... Hard graft. It's not that it was hard graft. <laughs> They're just like, it's definitely edging on modern day slavery, what they do there. Jesus. I do not agree with Amazon at all. And I really try and advocate... Go on Amazon. Amazon is a great place to find things, but then just all you got to do is click the supplier of it. Yeah. And as long as it's not like, because the the problem with Amazon is a lot of it comes from China, and China Amazon UK is there is their like distributor. Yeah, sure. So there isn't local stores, but if you can find it locally, just buy it locally and definitely support local.
0: How come you're so against Amazon?
1: Just the the job was just not good, man. They mm. just they push you way too far the way that they base the contracts uh they're all like zero hour self-employed so they can just sack you at any minute yeah. they don't care about you at all mm. like there's yeah there's 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 other things that i'd say but i well i said it all on my story i don't know if you saw yeah, it about, I did say, yeah. they're just they're not the reason why that guy is the richest guy in the world is because of the way that he operates that business like
0: literally like, taking yeah. it off people
1: <laughs> yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i just don't agree with it but i won't i won't go into it anyway we did a month for that that was like a bit of cash um to support us coming through and then i started picking up like odd little random jobs like live sessions for mates and things like that that were like a couple hundred quid there and there and then mate july end of july kicked off and i worked from the end of july until the middle of september pretty much five days a week i have no idea where the work came from (laughs) and it was all a lot of the work wasn't full paid But I didn't really care. I was just taking anything that I could. And then the job started getting like really good. Like I've done some of the best jobs I've ever done post-lockdown. Yeah, what kind of stuff? Um, I've got an Aston Martin job tomorrow. Oh, Aston yeah? Ma- Aston Martin and Bollinger commercial tomorrow. Oh, what? Like two brands, that's like, that's <laughs> a set of brands to put together. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, works with like a couple, quite a few new new clients, actually. A lot of my regulars haven't really come back yet. I've only had a couple of jobs with you guys, mm. um, with family. And then my Perkins job, I've only had one job with them, and I'm normally three or four days a week with them. So it's like, it's been loads of new people. Um, or people who have... Who have upped their game in the yeah. last couple of years and they're now are now DPs that yeah, I met yeah. as camera operators and stuff. A guy called Steve Turvey. Um done a couple of jobs for him.
0: How important is it to sort of maintain those like long term relationships?
1: It's the most affordable thing that you can do is yeah. just die and just just being, mate, being nice and doing something memorable on the job. Like, I've got an AC who works for me, Adam Shake. He's my focus puller if I'm shooting. Yeah. And he's my loader if my brother's not available. The first time he worked with me, he remembered that I fucking love Oreos. <laughs> Next job that I worked with him on, he bought me a pack of Oreos. And I was like, you are just a good guy, man. <laughs> like, don't kiss ass, but just, like, be sound. You know, like, when your DP's having, like, a... Like doing, like, a four-minute, five-minute easy rig take, Yeah. the first thing you do is go and get that camera off him and ask him if he wants a bottle of water, like, straight yeah, away, course. just, like, look after the people that like you're working with, and you'll always get remembered. And be nice. Yeah. And, like, be, just, like, don't be a yes-man to the point that it's, uh, it's, what's the word? It's bad on you, like, it's it's causing negative effects on you, I can't figure the word. Um, but, like, always go, like, that, that step above. Yeah. Um, and, like, the biggest thing that I've learned... Somebody said to me that I I do it and not a lot of other people do it. Is if you get a job, come in, commit to that job, even if that job is unpaid or lower paid, and you get a higher paid job come in, do not cancel on that other job because it is like you will not get asked back by those people. Yeah. Like I had I had a, a golf commercial that my mate Josh was on. I had no work for that day. Um, Josh Birch, another DP that I work with, He's a good friend of uh, yeah yeah yeah. That. yeah we know. Yeah, good, good DP had a sick gimbal operator. Really, really good gimbal operator. He was doing his golf commercial. I said, Look, mate, I'll come on for free. Like, I'll just come and hang out with you for the day. Like, sitting on a golf course, there wasn't really anything difficult to do. It just did him a favor and put me in a good book for the production company that he's working with. And I got offered a full APA rate job that day nice. for, with hire of kit and stuff. And I was like, I'd already committed to Josh's job. I'm not going to go back on that. And apparently, a lot of people don't do that. Okay, Josh. Josh. Josh was like, "You're an idiot." One. <laughs> I was like, "Because it's it's loyalty, man." Like, of course, because he books me on full paid jobs like all the time, and he always rents his my kit off of me and things like Keep that. Him sweet. Yeah, it's just building those yeah. relationships.
0: Let's chat a little bit about your side hustles, Alex. So you've got like a, a parallel universe career <laughs> yeah. as a tour manager, right?
1: Yeah, I, d- I, d- I wound it down a little bit. But um, yeah, I used to tour manage uh, one to do- of my really good mates called Billy Lockett. And yeah. Mate, we started... I met Bill through doing photos for him. Okay. I basically hassled him to do a live session when I first bought my FS700 because he, he was from the same place as me. And I was like, I'm going to start shooting these like these high quality live sessions, which actually got me quite a bit of work in the end. Mm. Um, And anyway, I met this Billy guy and I did this live session for him. And he messaged me like a couple of days later. He was like, mate, this is the best thing that content-wise I've ever had. Awesome. Like, can you come and do some like stills for me? Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, absolutely. I was fucking buzzing at this. (laughs) This guy's like, it's like now he's like a reasonably, reasonably big thing. Um, And anyway, about three or four months into our relationship he was like I'm going on I'm going on tour across Europe um, and my manager can't come um, I've got another clang in this this is fucking brilliant this is. <laughs> my manager can't come do you want to tour manage me I was like mate I've never tour managed in my life he was like all you got to do is get me to the gig on time <laughs> Li- little did he I know Max's <laughs> favourite saying little, little did, did he I know. know this
0: guy's time was up <laughs> what, what is that TV show again Fucking police camera action or something. It's that guy with the silver hair. Yeah, yeah. Little did he know. This joker thought he was a tour manager. <laughs> Little did he know. Yeah. He just got think something weird to put at the end.
1: Love that. Uh, and I, I said, yeah, of course I'll do it. Yeah. Captain Black again at it. <laughs> and he asked me to come do stills and his manager couldn't come. And I was like, I'm his tour manager now. <laughs> Apparently I did an all right job. Because he kept, he kept me on for nearly five years. Oh, shit. Um, and... Day day one went fine. Three days in, we had this show in Zurich for a Zermatt festival, and which is like, that's a big festival in in Switzerland. They had like Richard Ascroft from the Verb headlining, uh, like Boy George, um, who else was that? Yeah, some reasonably big people. And uh, I didn't realise, basically you have this thing called an advance and a tech spec, which is what you send to the venue, like, a couple of weeks before to say, This is me, this is my band, this is the equipment we have, this is what we need on the desk. Okay. This is all like the inputs that we need. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I sent it two hours before the show. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I said to and the woman, What are they going to the say at the venue? I literally got Whoa. told to
1: fuck up. <laughs> Because because Bill wanted the uh, grand piano moving off of the stage because it was like, we were on this like little stage and there was this fucking huge grand piano at the side <laughs> that was just like clang, just like sat there for the whole gig. Yeah. And we were, they were all like cramped up on this stage playing this gig. Mate, I were playing to about 800 people actually, it was like a reasonably big thing and then I went on doing that for quite a while with Bill, just doing tour managing, I learned how to do it. But I didn't, I just taught myself, you can't go on YouTube and learn how to tour manage. You no. just learn yourself. You learn through mistakes of it, um, or you mentor into somebody, or you do something like teching, backline teching, or things like that. So mm-hmm. I've done a bit of backline teching, a bit of guitar teching, a bit of tour managing. And then it, mate, it got up to the point where we were doing like good tours with Bill, like academy tours, like 500 to 1,000 caps. And then we got asked to do the ELO European Tour Support, which, mate, was the sickest job. Two months on the road <laughs> with ELO. <laughs> Like, being paid decent whack. All around Europe. All around Europe. Yeah. Like, everything's paid for. Food, drink, beer. Well, beer was sometimes paid for. You get a pretty, pretty decent rider every day. was how much you drank. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was really cool, man. Went, basically, went, went on a fucking lad's holiday for two months. Yeah. Playing music around Europe and the UK. Was it quite demanding? Drinking beer. It was heavily demanded on my time. I didn't do any creative work over that whole period. It's tough not seeing Oscar as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, saying, this is the reason why I stopped, stopped tour managing because they are. Something went wrong on the tour when I wasn't there because I was seeing my kid. Um, when you get to arena touring, it's the, it's the same thing day in day out. Arenas yeah. are identical, basically, on the inside. You have a loading bay, you have a stage, yeah. you have a. And you load in, you put your kit on stage, you do the gig, and you load out, and you fuck off to the next one. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's not like when you go around day. all these weird little venues and everything's a bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the same kit every day, like it shouldn't be a problem. And I had, to, I went home. I didn't have to go home to see my kid. I wanted to go home and see my kid, and it was agreed with management I could do it. And then one of the shows, uh, Billy walks on stage, and he'd be given this new piano by Yamaha. Little fuck you to Yamaha for this because I've got loads <laughs> of shit for it. Um, uh, and he walks on stage and it was all this like, he'd walk on stage and he'd have click in his ear and it would all be time that he would come on. And as he hit the chords, all the lights would come on and the song would start. It's, yeah. mate, it's really cool. It works every night. And they've got this new piano. And for some reason, this like high, super high end piano that was way more high end than the one he was playing before. It's just like a, a big fancy keyboard. Yeah. Had this ridiculous auto off feature. Oh God. So he walks oh, on stage just, just a on. fucking piano. Yeah. <laughs> Literally twenty thousand people in sleep, it, everything else came on and it was turned <laughs> off. <laughs> And I was 1,600 miles away, and I got the blame for it. Well, so you got the phone call. I got a very fucking pissed off phone call um, yeah. saying that I needed to commit to the rest of the tour. And I was like, of course I'll commit, because the entire thing was booked in my name. Every yeah. hotel, all the vans, all of the ferry crossings and bridge crossings and all of that shit was booked in my name. So I said, yeah, I'll crack on with it and, uh, and do it. But after that, I was like, nah, my kid comes first. So... Fair enough, I, I dipped out of tour managing, but I've, I've actually been. He's actually asked me to do another little, a little thing, as soon as we can post lockdown. Just, just me and him on the road for like a week. Yeah, maybe a laugh, man. Like, it's, it's great. He's like literally one of my best mates. So like, it's, it's not work. Yeah, you just like going up and down the country, getting pissed with locals and playing gigs each night. Like it's a good laugh, definitely.
0: We're going to move into advice now cool um
1: i think i've dropped a bit of advice throughout you have done Sprinkled a bit of mate you know
0: really yeah you've, you've definitely done some sprinkling um but maybe we could team it up with in terms of like marketing yourself and having a few irons in the fire i know you also do you have ambitions as sort of being a kit rental yeah. uh, source um
1: well, you, already, already sort of doing that
0: yeah when did you you know first start thinking about that and how how lucrative is that for sort of creatives and, and technical members of crew yeah. such as yourself you know is it is it a is it a good resource to uh to consider or is it quite stressful how do you feel about it
1: it has its ups and downs doing rental yeah. um but i am actually in the process of building a, a kit an amount of kit. Let's say I don't have a mortgage and I have a very annoyed girlfriend most of the time because (laughs) CBP are constantly delivering boxes to my house. Um, But I have amassed quite a large amount of equipment over the last couple of years rather than paying myself loads of money and going travelling and whatnot that um, a lot of ACs and DPs do. And I don't blame the man. that's sick to do Mm -hmm. that. Um, But you can do that through the job. I've been lucky enough to do it. All I've done is basically pay myself a minimum salary and just reinvest it back into my business. Um, So I have a business that me and my brother works for me and it's just me and him basically. Nice. Um, and we've just been buying kit over the last couple of years. Um, and most of the kit that I've been buying has been kit that is going out on jobs with me anyway. So it's like my own hand unit, my own monitor, my own Teradex, my own camera. Um, and now it's starting to be things like client monitors, mm-hmm. easy rigs, ready rigs, movies, lights, that kind of stuff. And sort of, like, you can ring me up and I can provide basically a small budget. A small, a low budget, and small productions entirety of kit that they would need on a job, um, sort of in the back of a van. Yeah, like I can just turn up and it's all there for a, for a reasonable price. Yeah, because um, don't it, want, to, I want to be yeah. undercutting people. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm looking at doing is 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 rental, and it's mate, it is definitely lucrative I basically doubled my day rate in the last two years by just buying equipment.
0: So you'd recommend it for like people. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, d- I mean, I don't
1: want to recommend it too much because I want these people to hire it <laughs> for me. But yeah, um, but yeah, like with you guys, um, like offering the follow focus, it's it's gotta be easier for this sort of Marissa and you to ring me up and be like, Alex, we need this. How much is this for the job? You yeah, know, course. and I'll just do you like a little package deal on it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then that's it. You can just park that. Like, you ain't got to worry about because you know I'm gonna turn up with the kit and it's done and it's looked yeah. after and it's in good. Need. The only downsides are downtime costs you money yeah. cuz you have either got to rent it or buy a buy a replacement um and i ha- i had that happen recently unfortunately my um i've got a couple of monitors for focus pulling got my older one the 702 and then i've got bought Cine 7 yeah. with like a sidekick Terade receiver which is like is these shit monitors the top of the yeah, game nice. and it bloody broke on a on a job <laughs> just died for no reason um and i was without it for about 10 days and that monitor's like 100 quid a day yeah so 10 days lost, that's like a grand lost in in unpaid repair.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: So I mean, I could have rented one, but it would have just ended up costing me the money that I was billing it out for. So I just mm. used my old monitor um, yeah. for the time. But that's that's the things where, but that that is rental. That's the game. That's what happens. Kid yeah. breaks, you look after it. Like, it's like leasing a car. If it breaks, it's not your problem. Yeah. The, the garage picks it up. But it's definitely... Looking at, like, the accounts over the last year or so and seeing the, sort of the return on it is it's definitely something. But you've got to have the money in the first place to do it. You've got of to course, commit uh, to saving the money. And an invest it. Uh, and in reinvesting it. And then you've got to keep the... You can't just sort of get halfway over the hurdle and be like, oh, I'll stop buying kit now. Mm. you just got to keep going and going and going. And that's what I'm doing.
0: Um, nice, mate. Yeah. Cool. you got quite an interesting dynamic, obviously, having your brother as your trainee. Yeah. What advice do you give your brother? And um, you know, how, how lucky do you think he is to have an older brother like you that's going to look after him and, you know, potentially offer him, a, you know, a career, someone yeah. to spend his life doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, Joe, my younger brother is, he's, he's a top end trainee now. Like he's definitely pushing into the loader bracket on his, on his skills. He needs to, we need to get him on some, um, get him on some actual film shoots yeah. with some 60 mil and 35 mil cameras and learn and get him learning loading, um, before he can really call himself an actual loader yeah Uh, but once he's done that that'll be a massive string to his body but Joe Joe wanted to go to college and he didn't he unfortunately was let down by the education system which was massively dyslexic which wasn't noted at school and he failed his English GCSE which meant that he had to go and do I think it's like foundation at college yeah I think it's called foundation I don't know um and he was just like
0: it's like a pre-thing for your a-levels yeah yeah
1: yeah and then he came on with me because that just was like he hated it
0: well you kind of saw yourself in your little brother i guess
1: yeah, you know, I definitely dis-
0: did. Kind of disenfranchised with school. Massively. You need normal. something to do, man. you got yeah. a lot of energy at that age and you, yeah, know, you need definitely. a direction or else you're going to spend it That's on bad. That's what he needed, bad. yeah.
1: And he got given his job in a local pub for like minimum wage, which at 17, 16, 17 is like four fifty-five quid an hour or something. Wow. Bullshit like that. <laughs> um, and he... I said to him, who keeps ringing me? Sorry, I <laughs> just people, This is just work. Like, can I, can I rent this tomorrow? That's what it will be. Um, I'll probably bring them back in a bit. That's all right, mate. No worries. Uh, so, yeah. So I took him on. I said, look, I'll offer you an apprenticeship because I could get cheap labour out of him. <laughs> the thing that I've just slagged off, I, uh, I got out of him for a year. But he is, he knows he's lucky as well. He's very appreciative of the opportunities that I've given him. Nice. And I. it's taken me years to get the jobs that I have now. Mm-hmm. which I'm very lucky to have regular good work with good clients, good pay Um with people like yourselves and whatnot. And he is very appreciative of it. And uh, I mean, I, hopefully in a year you'll get someone like him on someone fresh into learning. I mean, he hasn't had to go through the struggle of the opportunities, but he understands now that, because I will pick other people over him. If I need someone that's like real top of it, Yeah, because he's still learning some stuff and like, I just, I just say to people at his age, put your fucking phone in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's Joe's only letdown is his phone. which is a is a is a burden that we, is a bane yeah. that we're dealing with at the moment. Probably quite, quite a common theme in quite Snapchat. a lot of young people. That's what Snapchat it, man? life, like, man. You know,
0: right. we we get runners on set sometimes, and some of them are amazing. Yeah, um, I mean, the vast majority are amazing, but sometimes, I mean, I'm talking about back in the TV days. I don't really get them anymore because. <sighs> You know, we can kind of gauge people, and people won't recommend someone to us if they know they're fucking useless. Yeah, so, yeah. like I'm talking back in the TV days. You'd get like some uh, some son or daughter of you know one of the big wigs at Sky Sports, and they'd mm. come on on a shoot or a set or a live broadcast, and they just weren't interested, and they're just kind of despondent. Constantly looking at their phone. Yeah. More worried about fucking off and going meeting their mates than actually sort of seeing the job out. But, you know,
1: like... Know the vibe, man. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, nepotism can only carry you so far. The the rest, you kind of need to make your own way a little bit. Yeah. And you'll just end up being resented. Um, Mate, finally do you want to plug any uh, like websites, any uh, like Instagram, anywhere people can see your work, anywhere people can contact you? Yeah,
1: it's a bit of a weird one yeah. for me because like, I don't really have work as such. Like, sure. you go and watch some of the commercials that I've worked on. on yeah, 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 hopefully they're in focus. <laughs> 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 but, uh, I'm mainly just an Instagram guy. It's okay. just at Alex Rawson, the focus puller nice one um, and people could maybe
0: people could maybe message you on there if
1: yeah man if you if guys have any, any shots positions or bit, bits of kit I've got loads of kit like yeah. easy rigs ready rigs mobbies, all of this all of that stuff give you a shout um, for any, any advice yeah or, yeah and then man I've I've had a few guys um, reach out to me recently uh, I'm going to drop a guy's name because he is so hard working Nicholas Di Matteo I think his name is I'm seeing him like work his ass off and he sent me this great email about how much he enjoyed working with me and what he learned and like that's the kind of hunger I want to see in people absolutely um like you got to be hungry in this game it's a it's a it's, there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of you out there like <laughs> yeah, want to come yeah. and do this like be hungry and be good and be committed Excellent. to it and don't give up when you get a knock like just just keep going yeah, man. so yeah
0: beautiful a oh, nice one thanks Alex thanks for coming yeah. down great to see you uh, I'm sure we'll get you on again soon and uh, yeah let's go to the pub yeah looking <laughs> forward to that man nice one cheers that is all we have time for this week on the podcast guys but please subscribe to ensure you catch all of our future episodes you can also follow us on Instagram at family and friends that's F-M-L-Y and friends all one word news on our new community hub and please also check out our main page at family creative that's on instagram or our main website family-creative.com we'll catch you next time